When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today I'm going to talk about something that is obviously on many people's minds, student loan payments. I also want to talk about some scams that are really hitting young people hard and how I want you to avoid those. So student loan payments are about to resume. And this is one huge positive for student loan borrowers of the pandemic was first in the Trump administration and then in the Biden administration, we've had these extended periods of loan payment holidays. No interest charge, months that no payment was made counted towards people's student loan forgiveness months. Uh, A lot of really, really positive things for people carrying the burden of student loan debt. But there was a a scary headline recently that roughly 90% of student loan borrowers aren't in a position or ready to resume their payments, but hey, we're there. And so know that there are many payment options. Now, we're only talking federal student loans here, which is most of the loans outstanding are federal student loans. And you have various options that you can adjust the amount you have to pay each month based on your income. And you want to use those options. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go hide your head in the sand, stop paying, well, we haven't been paying, but Don't start paying your loans because, ah, well, and think that's not going to burn you because you go into default on your federal student loans. It is bad, ugly. So really, really key for you to start paying on those loans again. Keep them current. If you are really in a financial hardship, use the options that the feds offer when you cannot pay your loans, or you can't pay what's scheduled on your loans. There are a number of options. The only one you can't do is ignore it, because ignoring them is like a snowball that builds into a mountain of problems. And this has been an opportunity for many people over the pandemic. We've had this uh, thing that last year everybody talked about the K economy. 
And the K economy is not as much a factor now as it was last year during the height of shutdowns and all the rest with COVID. But we have a number of people who had student loans that are in much better financial shape now than they were in March of 20. And then we have others that it's been really hard. There were uh, significant periods of loss of income, uh, no work, and all the rest in 20. And people, there are tens of millions of people who have not fully recovered. And that's why for you, taking um, getting access to the various ways to deal with the federal loans is central to what I want you to be about. I also want to say something to you if you are going to college soon or you're trying to consider grad school. I saw a story recently, Krista, about the student loan burden that a lot of people getting professional degrees are taking on. And in this story, and I'm sorry I don't remember the source, there was one stat that was shocking. For people who go to chiropractor school, how much student loan debt do they have versus their likely first year's earning as a chiropractor? Now, remember, I say never take out more student loan debt over an educational cycle than what you're likely to earn in your first year. Uh, uh, I guess like three or four times. Seven times. No. Seven Ooh. to one. That's bad. And there were two other professions that were in this article. It's funny, I can quote all this stuff from the article, but I can't remember where it was. Um, second profession was veterinarians. Mm. That Veterinarians end up with very large levels of student loan debt versus income that they will earn for years and years to come. And so the student loans hang over them like crazy. The third, dentistry. Dental school is unbelievably expensive. It's, and there are reasons why dental schools are so expensive to run because of all the clinical settings they have to have. And so dentists earn a, a fraction of their loan balance in their early years on the job as a dentist. So with any degree, go in with your eyes open and think through what kind of income that job or profession will generate for you versus the amount of money you might owe for getting that degree. And there are enormous differences from school to school in what it costs to get the education, whether it's a regular degree, a training program, a graduate school program, or a professional program, because you don't want to be one of these statistics that we hear from from time to time on the podcast, where we'll hear from people who have 400000 in student loan debts. The highest I remember was 600000 I mean, these are gigantic kind of numbers that people have in their lives. And I know a lot of Americans today don't think about this route, but there are a lot of programs you can study for that if you sign up to be in the military, you will not have any debt because the military, in return for so many years of service, 
will pay off your loans. All right, we'll get to some questions here. Britain in Louisiana says, my wife and I are expecting our first child in April of 22. Well, congratulations to you. I have 43K in student loans, and we have 53K saved in our savings and 5K in our checking account. The only debt we have is our home mortgage and my student loan. Would it be best for us to pay off the student loan and take advantage of paying it off before the interest kicks back in in February of 22? This is a bit of a dilemma. Because if you pay off the student loans, you're then going to have a a cushion of $10,000. Don't know how many months $10,000 will take care of for you. If you did that and you were able to, each month moving forward, pay back into savings what you were paying each month into student loans, I think it's worth skating on thin ice for a while and have the reduced rainy day funds in order to be done with your student loan debt. Your student loan debt may carry a relatively low interest rate, somewhere around 3 4% possibly. The problem with that is that what you are earning with your rainy day money is close to zero. And for that reason you may want to go ahead and dive in, pay off the student loan debt, and just be really determined about building up the rainy day money again. Oh, and keep the records of your successful completion of paying off your student loans for the rest of your life because student loan record keeping is so pitiful. This one's from Peter in New York. My 96-year-old mother-in-law lives at home and requires 24-7 care. Her living expenses exceed her income from a small pension and her Social Security. Cash reserves that covered the overruns for a couple of years are now depleted. However, she owns her home and has roughly $400,000 in individual company stocks. To offset expenses, probably $100,000 per year, would it be better to begin liquidating her stock assets and pay the capital gains taxes or borrow against her stocks or home? Selling her stocks would also decrease some living income that she ha- that she receives as dividends. So there's a product that I talk about very rarely because there's a lot of shysters in the business. But her situation, your mother-in-law's situation, is one that is ideal for a product called a reverse mortgage. It's where she gets to continue to live in the home as long as she wishes or as long as she lives. And instead of her paying on the home, the home pays her every month. There's significant closing costs involved with doing a reverse mortgage, supposedly lower than they used to be. You want to make sure that you're dealing with a government-approved loan product and a government-approved lender for a reverse mortgage. Uh, Go read online, Peter, about reverse mortgages. You'll see the horror stories that will terrify you, and then you'll read the stuff about what are the things you look for to find a legitimate reverse mortgage. The only time you wouldn't want to do this is if there's a strong need for you or any other family members to inherit from your mom. Over time, it will erode the value of the house that anyone would inherit but it would be of the choices you've got available to you, a reverse mortgage seems best. Now, there is another thing, though. 
your mother-in-law is 96. So um, she's already lived a very long life and don't know how many years she has in front of her. The other alternative that would be much cheaper to set up would be a home equity line of credit as a way of uh, bringing in some funds to deal with the gap between the money she has coming in and what comes in from the stock dividends and the gap that remains, that would be an alternative that is a more affordable one. And from Bill in Georgia, I took Clark's advice and bought $10,000 in I-bonds. I think that's all I can buy this year. Can I buy another 10000 in 2022? And is there a good time to make my purchase? Yes, buy another 10000 in January and you'll lock in that really great interest rate for six months that confused the daylights out of people when we wrote about it on Clark.com. And I attempted to state it clearly on the podcast. The problem is I-bonds, Series I savings bonds, are a very simple-to-buy product that the calculation of interest makes people's eyes glaze over and they find very confusing. But effectively, I-bonds right now are earning at an annual interest rate of over 7%, and they are completely safe, a full obligation of the federal government. You're limited to 10000 each year. The interest rate resets every six months and based on the rate of inflation. And so right now, with inflation having been ugly lately, that's why what they pay right now is such a great rate. Over time, uh, hopefully we get inflation under control in the United States. They won't pay great rates in the future. But if inflation does remain a factor, I-bonds continue to be a great way for you to put away savings each year, again, up to 10000 Your minimum hold period is a year. You have to hold five years or longer to avoid penalties for early withdrawal of them. And you can read till your eyes glaze over all the details at savingsbonds.gov and do it when you're well awake with a cup of coffee in you (laughs) or whatever you do for caffeine because it's dry, boring kind of stuff. So Series I savings bonds, completely legit. A lot of other things out there where people offer you an opportunity to make real money, they're just flat-out scams. And if you feel like there are scams all around you, well, there are times there are. And one of the chief culprits is the ease of getting into people's wallets using social media, and I want to address that straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
it's always been an article of faith in law enforcement and with organizations that look out for this kind of thing that scamsters overwhelmingly target the elderly and that the elderly who end up being most likely the victims of scams. And that historically was pretty accurate, but not now. And it's because of social media and how social influencing works. I mean, it's funny how many things I see now from people wanting to know how to become an influencer as a way to earn a living. Well, it's because people tend to let their guard down if somebody famous or somebody who's pithy with posts or whatever says, hey, you got to buy this new skin lotion. It's miraculous. Or look at this new line of clothing. I mean, man, think how many pseudo-celebrities now have their own line of clothing. Or you just, you get stuff. If you're, if they're a celebrity, they get things in the mail and they unbox them on Instagram. They're like, oh my God, you guys, this is like the softest thing I've ever had. It's changed my life. So you did that really well, Krista. I've seen a lot of them. So (laughs) the influencer thing is really big. And a lot of it is maybe a little slimy, but it's really just advertorials. And you don't realize you're watching an advertorial that the influencer is being compensated with cold hard cash or with freebies in order to tell you with great excitement that this is the greatest thing ever. But that's also created a clear opening that has made people, especially under 30, really susceptible to being scammed. And it is a huge thing right now that has been a trend that was not on anybody's radar and now really is without an effective way to stop it. So you're going to have to be your own police officer. Be really, really wary and aware that the hottest area now with dirty social influencers, the influencers that are trying to get in your wallet with any kind of get-rich-quick scheme, any kind of job opportunity, whatever. And they do it directly and indirectly by either trying to get you to pay money to steal from you or get personal information from you to steal your identity and get to your money or impersonate you to open accounts as if they're you or to raid the accounts you already have. I need for you to be aware that influencers are very, very successful because one of the things that's so fuzzy about social media is that it deals with our need for connection. It deals with issues of loneliness. It deals with desire to belong. All these things come together in our makeup and our emotions and the same things that make it successful for somebody to get you to buy some new face cream or whatever or a new blouse or sweater or whatever, these same techniques are hyper effective at stealing your money. Please 
do not let your guard down and trust someone in what has long been referred to as affinity fraud. And what's funny is that social media is unlike traditional affinity fraud. Let me explain to you what that is. Over the years, um, you may or may not have heard of the most infamous of all affinity fraudsters, a guy named Bernie Madoff, who stole billions from people by getting to know them at country clubs. Whole different thing than on social media. And getting to be people's buds, he was really knowledgeable about legitimate investing and convinced people that he had come up with an investing system that was able to generate a 10% return on people's money year after year, what was referred to by sophisticated people as the Madoff 10, and it was just an elaborate Ponzi scheme. There were no investments. It was just an out-and-out theft, and early investors were paid with money um, from later investors till the whole thing collapsed with billions of dollars evaporated in his really ultra-fancy lifestyle he was living. I don't even know how many country clubs. Well, I think he also used the Jewish community um, in a big way. Yeah, because he was wired into a lot of Jewish country clubs, Mm -hmm. and he even ripped off Jewish charities. Oh, yeah. Ellie Wiesel. Who was? Ellie Wiesel. Oh, yeah. So many people... um, trusted who were very well educated very sophisticated and that's because affinity fraud was always person to person connection and most of them that we talk about are that kind of person to person connection now we're talking about on somebody's phone yeah. a lot of churches too i just want to say that oh yeah that's such a big place for affinity fraud go ahead sorry so um today the main route of affinity fraud is on your phone and who's following who on TikTok or um, Instagram or, although my son says Instagram's for old people. Yeah. He's 16, so people in their 20s are old. <laughs> it's funny, he thinks his 32-year-old sister is like as old as dirt at 32. It's funny how a kid's mind processes. Anyway, but you got to be aware that your phone is the new country club. It is a really low-cost country club for the con artists that are now populating as crooked social influencers or influencers. Please be aware, be wary, and do everything you can to independently verify some business opportunity somebody is bringing your way. Okay, let's get to some questions. This one's from Ken in California. I want to visit South Korea as soon as the COVID travel restrictions are over. Any guess how long that will be? Now I see there's a new hoop you have to jump through with this KETA electronic visa process. It looks like you need to travel with a smartphone to use it. I never travel internationally with a cell phone. Are we going to be expected to carry one in the future? That's a real privacy risk handing over passwords, bank account, and social media logins to the government. Plus, all the health data my Apple Watch collects. Right. Ken... First of all, when travel restrictions actually lift for a lot of long-haul Asian destinations, who knows? And the rules do change. They generally 
seem to uh, get tighter over time instead of looser. I just read a story about people who had bought trips to Hong Kong and have ended up basically in these um, communist-run detention centers where they're kept for extremely long periods of time. They can't communicate with anybody. It's unbelievable. Um, And travel to Asia is very, very dicey. Uh, Obviously, South Korea is a democracy, seventh largest economy in the world, and I'm not comparing it to the behavior of the Chinese communists, but what is similar across Asia are very tight restrictions on travel. On the issue you raise, virtually every government in the world, including the United States, reserves the right when you enter the country to seize your cell phone and see everything on it. And there have been many court cases about this happening in the United States. And what people do who have a lot of sensitive information that they don't want to worry about our own government returning to the United States or another government as you enter a foreign country have access to is they buy what historically has been called a burner phone. You just buy a prepaid phone with a plan on it that gets you what you need for the period of time of your trip. Uh, It'll be either a very old iPhone or a low-end Android. You'll pay less than $100 typically for one of these phones, maybe even a lot less for an Android. And then you use it as the phone on your trip. And that way you don't have all your sensitive information on that phone, only what you need for that travel. This is from Betsy in Georgia. Do you think employees should contribute to an employee stock purchase plan? My employer is offering this option right now, and each share is around $140. Is it worth buying one, two, 10, or 20 plus, or should employees avoid ESPPs? I already cr- contribute 13% to my Roth 401k plus a 2% employer match, so 15% effectively. Betsy, love you. This is great. <laughs> You're effectively saving 15% of your pay well-diversified in your Roth 401k, and that is great. So if you, on top of that, want to participate in the employee stock purchase plan, I assume you're getting a 15% discount to market for the purchase of those shares, which puts you a leg ahead to start with. If you, and this is a hard thing to ask anybody about where they work, but if you're really confident in the company you work for, how they do business, Putting money into the employee stock purchase plan can be a significant long-term benefit. The danger is you're not diversifying away from where you get your paycheck. But since you're already doing that so heavily in the Roth 401k, and hopefully no company stock in that at all, then participating in the employee stock purchase plan in an amount that you can afford in your budget is a good idea. Uh, there will usually be what's known as a lockup period till you can sell the shares that you have. There will also be a time period that's involved with you getting favorable tax treatment on those shares. But as long as you can sell them, you have a way to sell them later on, participating is a good idea if you trust where your company's position is and the industry it's in and how they run their business. 
And from Charles in California, I'm a great resignation participant, and I would like to max out the contribution to my Roth IRA in 2022, but I will not have any income that year. My spouse, however, continues to work, so I was wondering if I can do a spousal Roth IRA. If so, can I just contribute to the same Roth as I did when I was working, or do I need to open a new Roth IRA specifically designated as a spousal Roth? FYI, I'm 53, I've returned to school to learn restaurant management and culinary arts and plan to open up a restaurant in late 2023 or early 2024 after 25 years in IT. Wow, so, I've never heard anything I like love that this. before. So I'm not just sitting around doing nothing since I left the workforce and I have a clear path forward in mind for the future. So I'm not aware of any requirement and never heard of one that when you have been doing a Roth IRA and you then are going to do a spousal, that you have to go through the administrative nightmare setting up a separate Roth IRA. You're fine to do that. And if you're not familiar with a spousal Roth, it's where uh, one person in a married couple works, the other currently is not. They are able to double contribute, but it has to be into each person's Roth. And because of your age, you may also be eligible for the catch-up provision that increases how much you can contribute. And uh, this is really a wonderful thing that you're using. As so many people have, the pandemic is a time to reassess your life, do something you really love, and best of luck to you with your restaurant. And I want to tell you, if you've got a question for me, you haven't heard us address it, and it's very specific. I want you to know we offer a free resource for you to get one-on-one -on -one advice. It's called the Team Clark Consumer Action Center. It's about to be 29 years old, where we will answer you one-on-one, -on -one, and you can talk with a member of Team Clark Monday through Friday. These are Eastern times, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. The call is not free, but hopefully you have free calling on your cell phone. But the advice you get is free, but very valuable. 636-49-CLARK is the number. <laughs>